0: Hi guys, it's Tips from the Superpower Podcast and we are on our second season. Yes, you heard right. This is season two where we get to interview some amazing, powerful, strong, ambitious woman on this channel man we get to learn about the incredible journeys and and what the future holds so make sure you check out our podcast it will be dropping every two weeks monday morning 7 a.m sharp. wherever you consume it google spotify nkfm apple Podcasts, we will be there so make sure you guys check it out and get to learn from these incredible ladies see you soon What's up everyone? It's Tebs, and you're listening to the Superpower Podcast. This week I've got another power female. Her name is Buitumelo Luate. She's currently working as an investment analyst at 361 Asset Management. Prior to this, she worked as an audit manager at KPMG within the financial services division and was a key member of the financial engineering group and learning and development. Boitimelo is also a qualified chartered accountant, holding a master's in both a business administration from the University of Oxford and a master's of commerce from Wits University. And that's not it, guys. She also obtained her accounting degree and her MBA cum laude. I mean, seriously? <laughs> and was awarded the Tutuga and Shavening scholarships during her studies. Um, her background has also provided various opportunities for her to become academically involved in various lectures and trainings in South Africa, she lectures financial accounting at Wits University as an associate lecturer, finance for non-financial managers, MBA and PDBA management and financial accounting block at WITS Business School and behavioral economics at Cambridge University Oxbridge Programme. She's passionate about finance, financial education, women in leadership, and she not only hopes to inspire those seeking financial freedom, but to become a force of change in the asset management industry and the broader finance sector. Shoo! You, you are busy, girl. Oh, my <laughs> word. This is an so- impressive bio. Oh, my goodness. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Injee. Thanks, Taves, for having me. <laughs> on your podcast my pleasure pleasure. oh my gosh so so I think the the reason why um, I had you on the podcast is I think I was um, looking at the Mail and Guardian and I saw that you were profiled as one of their powerful women and I was like I know Dumi uh, I just didn't know she was like so major so maybe for our listeners um, just tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from um, and what was Dumi like um growing up.
1: Okay, so um I grew up in an area called um Spreadview in the East Strand um with a small family. Um very excited when I was growing up about sports. So I was involved in like a various number of sports in primary and high school, um, enjoyed running athletics um, when I was younger, doing cross-country and the likes. And then also when I got to high school, I continued to enjoy not just, I guess, the sporting activities, but the cultural activities. Um, And um, having then been at high school, I enjoyed sort of the environment, Um, then went on to Wits University. Um, At Wits University, I actually managed to at least stay on campus and be also involved in the Tutuka program. And that gave me an opportunity to stay at res and also be um, involved with other Tutuka students and sort of also interact with them. Um, WITS was an amazing um, place as well. I didn't get to do as many sports because now I started focusing, I guess, more towards um, the, the accounting side and the degree. Um, in first and second year, I think I still did dance at WITS, um, which was sub- part of the extracurricular activities there. Um, and then afterwards, yeah, no, it's just been, I guess, my career journey and also just enjoying just um, life with friends and family, um, and that's me. Sure, sure.
0: Okay, so if you're getting cum laude in varsity, where a lot of people normally slack off, um, that means you must have been like really smart. Was like, did academics just come easy to you? Or were you the kind of person who was just like a hard worker? Um, Yeah, how did you navigate that?
1: I think it's a mixture of the two in terms of picking sort of a career path or a, a course that sort of suits your strengths. um, And also working hard. I mean, um, in first year, we didn't have to work as hard. I mean, but going towards like a third year and fourth year, you had to put in the hours. Um, so a lot of my friends and I, even the one girl who was also on Tutuka, we'd go to the library. So we, we preferred actually working in the library. And then when we actually at our res, we'd like more enjoy just chilling and like getting to relax. So, I mean, it, the hard work was there, but then it's also picking a course that I think um, sort of resonated with my strengths. I'm a very quantitative person, so I enjoyed the accounting um, side. I enjoyed also the business aspect. So you're do, do, I was doing a lot of business subjects as well, um, like management accounting and also auditing and tax.
0: So, no, it's also picking the subjects, I guess, that you enjoy. Okay, okay. And your choice of varsity, you said you went to WITS. What made you choose that school or was it part of, I guess, like your bursary or scholarship that you that you received?
1: Um, so when I actually was picking um, varsities in like grade 11, I actually picked a number of institutions. I picked um, UCT, I picked WITS, and I picked um, UJ and the likes. Um, I didn't what I tried to do is I picked various courses so I wasn't sure if I actually would get into accounting so at WITS I picked accounting at like a UCT I picked engineering (laughs) Um, and so I tried to I guess do different subjects across the different universities so once I guess I realized I wanted to do accounting and I had sort of selected that at WITS it was sort of the obvious choice for me
0: Ah, okay, okay, that makes sense. And and in terms of, I guess, um, a balanced life, were you more like studying and you were more focused on that? Or, yeah, like, were, were you still, I mean, to, to cum laude is like a, a huge achievement. I, I just always wonder, like, people who, who, who achieve that, um, are, do they still have like a great balance in terms of, I guess, like their social lives as well I, or must you just I, focus yeah. on school
1: yeah I definitely think you can have a balance the I guess the trick is to also um prioritize the studying when the studying needs to be prioritized so in like first year we'd still go out my friends and I we'd still I mean socialize we'd still go to all the like events at WITS. We went to the um, orientation week parties. We'd go to quite a few of the events that were happening. So I guess in first year, we didn't need to focus as much so we could have a lot more fun um, doing other things and sort of socializing and having a good time at varsity and not feeling like you, ha- you haven't you have been exposed to the university. And then I guess no. in second year, it's so, sort of the partying and this um, slows down and you're sort of not in the mood, you know, <laughs> you used to just enjoy <laughs> going out like every weekend, but then I guess in second, towards the end of third year, you, I, I guess you've matured as a person. So um, in terms of the studying, you, you naturally then um, are involved in a lot of different activities. So definitely having a balanced life, but also knowing when to party. I guess some people in varsity, um for the first year are so focused and they're studying and they aren't actually going out meeting new people and then by third year they're so tired of being in the books that that's the year that they slack off but in the third year that's when the the subjects become the most difficult and so you find people that having done well in first and second year failing like um, their courses in like third year because they suddenly decided they need to have a life so i guess it's timing is everything
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's really important. Okay, cool. So so you're done with varsity and you, you pass and, and, and that's fantastic. How did you then go about picking the firm where you want to do your articles? So because I was involved in Tutuka, so Tutuka kind of sponsors you
1: um, throughout your, your university and they are sponsored by a lot of institutions. So they actually allocate you where you need to go rather than you getting to pick.
0: Oh, Um, really? Oh, my word.
1: So so for me, um, I actually I wasn't quite picky on any institution, but I did want to join one of the big four audit firms. Um, I initially did get picked, to be honest, uh, a small audit firm. And then I did request and I said, hi, um, I I know I've been allocated one of the small audit firms. I would have liked to have joined the big audit firms. Is there anything they can do on their side? And yeah. they did. They did then select KPMG for me. So I was actually glad I got to do um, the switch um, into a bigger, a bigger organization. And I think it's also been quite nice for me to have joined like one of the big organizations because now I'm at a, I'm, I'm at a boutique asset manager, which is a small business. So I've done the mm-hmm. big organization, and now I've got an opportunity to go back to a small organization, um, which actually highlights the differences. And I guess both are, are nice in a different way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what was your experience like at, at KPMG? Like, because, you know, it's like you, you study the theory in varsity, um, but then once you start working, it's like real, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's so not for something me, you can play with.
1: Yeah. So for me, I, I initially started, I was an associate lecturer, so I was an academic trainee for the first year of articles. So when I joined KPMG, I was actually a second year, but it was my first year there. So I had to actually train the second (laughs) year. I had to train the first year below me, but I had no idea what I was doing. So we're both trying to to figure figure it out together. Um, But I also think because in first year, they don't give you a lot of um, hectic tasks as a trainee. Um, I guess for me, the natural transition into second year was actually not too bad. Um, all I needed to figure out I guess in the second year was like doing stuff like timesheets more the organizational stuff and also helping I guess the first year with that but I guess you um, the learning curve was quite quick and once you then um, have done I guess the theory it's also the the auditing tasks a lot of you, you've got a lot of coaching from like the thir- third year coaches, the second year, the second year coaches, the first year. So you actually yeah. don't find it too difficult to transition into like working life because you still feel like you've got someone there. If you need to ask any questions and even stupid questions, you get to ask your third year on the job. And if you're working yeah. with very um, nice people, I guess the environment um, is very inclusive and you get to, to, to just learn on the job.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Which, which makes sense. And, And then your decision, I know a lot of auditors, once they're done with articles, they're like, I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) I need to get out of here. Um, But you decided to stay on. Um, What prompted that decision for you to stay on and carry on as an audit manager?
1: So as a third year, you're still working below a manager level. You're still not the person who's actually running the entire job. Um, And At the time, I actually thought if I were to probably go over to another organization, I'd still sort of be at the bottom again being and not really managing staff, managing a job. So I stayed on to KPMG because I actually thought I could still get a lot of skills, like more softer skills from KPMG, especially from managing the team. So um, as a manager, I got to pick my resources for the job. I got to interact with, I guess, the audit fees and decide how much are we going to charge for this engagement. So um, a lot of people don't realize, yes, the auditing tasks themselves um, might be tedious and you might be tired of doing like the the ticking and bashing. But then as a manager, you get to manage people, you get to chat to, um, like I got to also attend some of the audit committees um, and see um, the decisions that are made. Um, I also got to as a manager then pitch um, some of our engagements and try to win a lot of clients um, so only as a manager do you get, I guess, opportunities to do the various like sort of more leadership um, roles within a firm rather than as a second and a third year
0: yeah yeah and not the ticking and bashing and casting um, yeah <laughs> um, and 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 I see you've also done two master's degrees. So where does that fit in your whole picture? Were you doing articles or did you take a year off um, because it's it's quite a feat to be so young and to already have two master's degrees under your belt. So my first
1: master's degree I actually did whilst I was at WITS. So the first year at WITS when I was doing the academic articles, when I was also lecturing as an associate lecturer, I did the first year of the part-time MBM master's in commerce. Then I guess, the, so that, that year it wasn't as difficult. What, what became difficult was the second year because then the second year I was now new at KPMG. Yeah, um, second and, first year. Yes, yes um, new at KPMG, and then I still had to complete, I guess, my thesis in that year and do my board, my board exams for CICA. So what I then decided to do is I had completed all the coursework for the master's, so that coursework was out the way. I focused then on just the board exam early on because the board exam was written early on. Then after the board exam was completed, then I just literally focused on getting my thesis. Um, out the way. So then I completed mm. the thesis in the second part of the year. And it was also quite a good decision because then it also gave me time to ease into the firm that first six months. So then the second six months is when I focused on completing the master's degree. The second um, master's degree was full-time. So I actually decided I I I don't want to be at the the organization. I want to fully experience Oxford and London. And so I did decide to take a year off and and study full time in, in Oxford. So that was also quite nice because when you're studying full time, you get to immerse yourself in the experience you get to meet people. I was um, also part of the African um, conference um, that was run in Oxford. So you get to also do a lot of different activities that you won't be, probably be able to do if you were studying part time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and why was it important for you to do an MBA? I mean, you're a CA, you've got a master's in commerce. Why an MBA?
1: To be honest, I was at a position in my career where I felt like I was no longer growing and challenged. Um, So having done, I guess, the articles and then having been a manager and managing teams, I mean, there was pressure in the audit environment. You were working crazy hours. But when you no longer feel like you're learning, you're growing, you're challenged, I wasn't sure at that point what I wanted to do in my career. What is the next move? So I thought, let me do a course or something that will sort of trigger like me to find myself again and to figure out where what, what I want to do next. And initially I applied just for a three-month, six-month course. And the yeah. course actually was like a strategy and innovation leadership course and that sort of um, the um, course just for six months. But then funny thing is that course actually got um, de- 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 de-recognized. So I was waiting oh. for feedback to find out, okay, have I gotten into this course? And they said, yeah. it's new recognized. Then I kept searching for like business leadership, maybe strategy courses that I need to do. And the MBA just kept popping up. It was like everything I kept <laughs> Googling. I was like, MBA, MBA. I took it as a sign that maybe I needed to um, see if I can apply overseas. And yeah. um, what what was quite nice um, for me was that I wasn't trying to get a lot of the technical um, aspects of the course out. So, I mean, the first term you're doing a lot of subjects that you have done in a, B, a general BCom degree or a, B, a, a BCom accounting degree. Yeah. But what I wanted from the MBA was more the networking, meeting people like from different countries, um, having access to, I guess, listening to speakers talk, like CEOs of different big organizations, um, talking about strategy, talking about business, talking about impact. Um, and um, social entrepreneurship. So for me, it wasn't learning about, I guess, accounting again or business finance. It was more about getting to network and then also getting to rethink about which organization do I see myself in in the next five, ten years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my word. And 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 why an internet international MBA? I mean, you could do an MBA at Gibbs, you know, at Vits. Why specifically um, international and also why specifically Oxford? Yes, yeah, so for
1: me, um, I actually wanted to do an MBA for a year. I didn't want to do two years. So I had to pick, I was picking between America and the UK. Um, I ended up picking the UK because they've got a lot of one year MBA courses, America's two year MBA courses. Okay. Um, and why did I not want to do it in South Africa? I, I had gotten already my Bcom degree from South Africa. I'd already done my first initial master's as well in South Africa. Um, the MBA courses that were also advertised overseas advertised the international aspect. So you've got ninety five percent of the class coming from different countries, um, mm. not just from the uh, from the u k. So when you actually interact with people um, you, you're not only interacting with people like either South Africans or other Africans. You're actually interacting with people from India, from America, from Europe, from um, other countries. So I firstly picked the course because of that and because, um, you, you know, you just when you just want an experience, you just want to be in a different country and experience something different. Yeah, um, I was in yeah. that point where I'm like sort of searching for what I want to do and searching and like finding out um, about myself. So I also wanted to be in a in a country where I've, I just don't know no one, and I'm, yeah. I'm sort of lost. I'm meeting new people. I'm also experiencing, I guess, my surroundings, the colleges there. It's a very, it's a, like an entire student city, which is very quaint, and you get to um, interact with, at college dinners. It's very cultural, so it's a different experience from the South African courses, which I think the South African courses are a lot more. Um, they are case study based, which is a good thing. They're moving towards more case study based, but I think it's still a lot more road learning versus getting to interact and experience and um, also meet also meet with different people from different um, institutions, like the CEOs that I was talking about. So you get to interact with like a Michael Porter who did the Strategy Five Forces that you got to learn about in like your BCom degree.
0: Yeah, they're, they're
1: getting to invite quite prestigious and um, um, high, high end business leaders, um, in those courses.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow. I mean, it, it sounds, it sounds incredible, um, that you had the opportunity to do that. And, um, what are some of the, I guess, key takeaways that you got from, from doing your MBA and being in that environment? What, what are some of the things that you still carry with you, I guess, today, um, just from that experience?
1: The, the, the experience is, is actually unreal because you sometimes get to get put in a position, even when you're doing your essays, to write about sort of your big dreams and how to sort of um, solve worldwide problems that are happening. So, I mean, it's very different from just studying and trying to get to learn. You they, They're forcing you to actually think about what are the world's problems, how are you going to solve them, how do you use your networks? How do you use the tools that you've already gained to actually solve future problems? And so, being being in in, in that school, I like it felt like you you're constantly trying to dream and you're constantly challenging yourself to dream bigger. Um, yeah. I even remember discussions you'd have in like in the canteen when you're just having lunch. There's someone who is an IT person who is talking about EV cars, um, electric vehicle, and how. Um, driverless cars are going to be be happening in the next, and you can't fathom that it's going to happen in the next few years. Yeah, for them, <laughs> for them, it's like no, it's happening. Like to me, like this, this they the, like, the technology <laughs> is there. We just need to figure yeah. out the last few steps. But then, then you sit back and you just think, actually, there's such great minds out there, and some sometimes we're not challenged as people um, in some of our courses, I guess, in undergrad. To just dream bigger and try and um, solve bigger problems, and so yeah. actually being in that in that environment um, one of the other girls as well um, who who I was doing a, um, a project with she was from Russia, and she just wanted to solve. The education problem. I mean, in South Africa, it was the it was the weirdest what? thing.
0: Yeah. So you have
1: people that are constantly thinking of even not just solving, I guess, um, issues within the countries that they're local they, problems. They, they, yeah. yeah, they're local problems. They also trying to. They're like, oh, I've heard there's um, in South Africa the education outcomes aren't great. Do you want to join a project with me? I, like she's asking me as a South African to join <laughs> her project. That is an essay project. So. I think that's the, my biggest lesson is sometimes when you get stuck either in a job or you get stuck either studying, you, you get very caught up in just learning, I guess um, the outcomes of that specific course rather than, I guess thinking in the next three years, in the next five years, what, how are you going to use that specific course that you've learned to then solve the greater issues in either your society, your community or the or globally. I mean, so we we always restricted in our creativity we restricted in our dreams i think um until you actually forced to to put yourself in that kind of a situation where you're forced to dream big
0: yeah sure wow i mean it sounds incredible but i mean it 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 sounds like it's inspirational and you're meeting all these people and you're networking um and then you're done then you have to come back to your reality which is south yes. africa how did you then um, like take all those lessons and all that inspiration and 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 kind of not leave it there once you graduated.
1: That was actually the the, the tough part. So once you're there, you're, in, you're feeling inspired, you're feeling like you're a go-getter, you're going to now change the world. And now you sort of have to integrate back in the normal world. And I remember, I guess, towards the end of my course, just applying for different roles and seeing what roles are out there because I, I definitely knew I didn't want to go back Um, To KPMG to auditing, yeah. Yeah, so I had to go back to KPMG just for the one month because I had to work back my my sort of my like my one month um, before I leave officially because I hadn't officially um, resigned. I was still part of KPMG just on a long term. Oh, okay, yeah. So I was now thinking of the roles that I wanted to get involved in. There were different roles. There's like social consulting. There's like a a company called. like Dalberg that I was trying to apply for um, at the time. And they're doing a lot in, like, in terms of um, social and sustainable challenges and trying to solve those problems through consulting and, and, and offering advice within that area. But then yeah. reality also hits because when you're applying, you, you're going through these tough interviews and case studies and you're like, as much as you were inspired, I mean, you still – you still have to get back down to earth and try and actually get into the course. Just because you've got an MBA, everyone thinks you've got an MBA, you, you, you're going to easily transition into jobs, but some yeah. jobs, you, they, they're still looking at who they actually want as a person and whether it's going to fit into the culture of the organization. Of course, yeah. So for me, I was not, um, one of the jobs that I would also apply for in actually in South Africa. Um, so I was applying to come back into South Africa. I didn't actually get the job. And I found the interview so tough, where they were asking me questions about like, um, like, evolution, and I was like, oh, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. The, the interview was one of the my, the weirdest interviews I had about evolution and about like thinking system wide thinking, and I was like, what was this interview? And um, they 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 had said, okay, no, you haven't made it. So, I mean. Towards the end of my course, I realized okay, no, just because you've done an MBA doesn't mean you can get into That's not it. Yeah, that's not the road. I still have to prep, I still have to show them how valuable I'm going to be for that specific organization. I still have yeah. to do the necessary interview prep work and, and show them how I'll be adding value to that business. I guess, mm-hmm. over the long term. So I, I, I wanted to definitely come back to South Africa. A lot of the other MBAs wanted to stay overseas and continue working, but I, I really wanted to to sort of make a change in South Africa. So I was yeah. looking at a lot of organizations here. But I guess the whole thing of not losing inspiration is to also constantly um, surround yourself with, with areas of motivation or inspiration. So whether you want to do like a, you want to listen to a talk Um, and that rekindles what you had learned, um, at the time that you were in Oxford, or if you want to chat to another MBA student that you hadn't chatted to in like a year's like, and the course has like long gone, but you want to catch up with them and what they are doing. Um, you can still get that opportunity. So it's just, I guess, finding moments of inspiration afterwards that you don't let go of that inner drive, um, to also, um, make big changes.
0: Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it, it's actually crazy because I think a lot of people also do think whether they're doing it internationally or locally that an MBA is like your ticket to success and doors will just open yes. for you. Yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of the time it's like it, it's fantastic and and we applaud you for this incredible um, achievement you have. But yeah, you still you still have to like fit into the culture and have a great interview otherwise you yeah. won't get any opportunity crazy so how then did you land up at thirty six um um because yeah you said you're looking for opportunities and you now find yourself in the asset management space so um some of the
1: courses that i did towards the end so in at the end of your mba you get to pick electives and you get to pick courses that you've sort of think you're going to enjoy based on sort of the overview and hearing other students having having spoke about the course and one yeah. of the courses i picked was financial markets and trading and just in like reading up on you had to you you've had a portfolio that they allocated you money and you then had to invest um that portfolio and you had to track that portfolio like every week and say okay your bond portfolio so you could invest um they told you 60 percent in equities 40 percent in bonds and then you track the portfolio week on week and i actually invested my portfolio and my portfolio did extremely well over the the, the time period of the course um uh-huh. and i had invested in a new company i think at the time it was called trade desk it was a new ipo that had listed in the us it was like doing programmatic advertising and I invested in it and I had read up on it. And then this stock actually went haywire even after I had left. Um, um, oh, NBA really? Sports. So, yeah. When, yeah. So after having done that course, I was like, oh, my word, this, this like, investing is actually um, so interesting. A lot of us hear about, like, stock markets and just buying shares. But then the the actually tracking your portfolio seeing how it's doing also bonds learning about the bond market what influences the bond market then when i came back to south africa i I wanted a job that was going to firstly challenge me and secondly i didn't want to work crazy hours where i I didn't feel like i was passionate about the subject so i don't mind i guess putting in the hours um but but I needed to be passionate about what I was learning about. So at the time, I went to a recruiting firm. I, I said to the recruiting firm, I'm only looking for these specific roles, either like a corporate yeah. finance, asset management. And I was very specific in the roles that I wanted. And um, so I uh, this recruiting firm then said, listen, there's this very great business um, called 361 Asset Management. Um, there's two founders. It's a very small business. Um, le- le- let me give them your CV. Um, don't, don't get your hopes up, but let's, yeah. we can get you in. Cause it's a very small business. And then I met up with one of the founders, um, um, Sy Jacobs and we like instantly connected. So he was asking me the same thing about like my trading, my investments background. And I was telling him about all the in different investments that I had done. Then he, he, he also, um, wanted me to meet the other founders, um, And within like a week, um, I had gotten the job. They wanted me to join immediately. So I said, no, I still have to work my one month at at KPMG. KPMG. um, I'll I'll join the business. So what's quite interesting with 361 Asset Management, very small business. So the investment team size is like 10 people. um, And then they've got the ops team. And within the investment team itself, there were only men. So I was joining actually as the first female within the investment wow. team. Wow! Yeah. And also joining as the first um, person of color in the investment. Wow! Team. <laughs> so, you know, it's been it's been interesting, but I'm really loving the business. I actually can't believe I've been there
0: now for just over three years. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely impressive. Um. And how how did you then navigate? Being um, person of color, only woman in this like entrepreneurial, I guess asset boutique manager.
1: I think I think what was nice is is um, at three six one the first few months when you when you working here, they knew that I didn't have an asset management background, so they they said to me, um, listen, just try and get to know the different businesses. You can follow mm-hmm. small caps. You can follow banks if you want to continue to look at the banks you can follow so for the first three months I was actually just sort of figuring out where I want to be what I want to follow I was following yeah. banks I was following retailers I was following industrials like oh my there was just so many um, meetings <laughs> that I was like just involved in and at the time you're you don't, you you're a bit nervous so you're not asking a lot of questions as a woman you're just sussing out sort of the environment before you yeah. have your view and then I guess after like the first 4-6 months I I naturally got into the banks because I had been doing financial services at KPMG and um because I was comfortable with the banks I mean I got comfortable to then ask the necessary questions and not of feel course. like I'm shy as a woman on the like and we have like let's say we have an investment meeting I could voice my opinions um, I wasn't shy to to speak up if I thought s- someone else was saying something else that is, that isn't sort of correct, and I'm challenging yeah. them. So um, I guess it's it's also having the strength backed by your knowledge to to then challenge. And as a woman, a lot of people, I, get, I guess, you get nervous about doing that, especially because a lot of the guys are, are like very talkative and they're very loud during the meeting. So you also have to sort of. It, it, you don't you don't you don't want to feel like you're interrupting but at the same time sometimes for the only way for you to actually get in your opinion is to be like hi this is what I'm this is what I'm yeah. about this you know otherwise you'll just fade into the background yeah so i think i, I think i it, for the first few months i was sort of finding myself in the, within the business and once I started then seeing like where I could get involved in and then seeing also where the gaps are within the business. So I was also involved in a lot of the presentations and client pitches as well because I had done that also at KPMG. And I still like that aspect of interacting with the clients and the investors. So I also got involved in that area. So what, what I liked is I didn't just find myself only in the investment team. So I did a lot of the investment team stuff. But then the yeah. ops team, I was also helping them with either data, with Excel, with like presentations. So I tried to integrate myself into the entire business as an all-rounder. Yeah.
0: And then within the investment
1: yeah. team itself, um, I got comfortable with a lot of the stocks that I was covering. Um, and so then I initially started as a secondary analyst and then I became the primary analyst on a lot of the, the stocks that I'm covering now.
0: Okay, okay, very impressive. So so it, it sounds like the type of environment where you you have to be confident, I guess, in 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 your knowledge and in, in the things that you're saying. Um, if you had to give advice to young women who are looking at you and saying, Wow, like this is something that I never really considered, um, do you think there's a specific personality type or does confidence also just come with I guess experience and building up your technical expertise.
1: I think, firstly, um, the 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 confidence. It also depends on on the firm that you're going into. I, like, I mean, I don't think all asset management businesses are exactly the same. You have you sort okay. of have to suss out the culture of your business. If you if the culture of your business is a lot of like like talking and voicing your opinions. It's not like a lot of formal reporting. Some asset management businesses, you have to write a formalized report and and, ba- and back your knowledge in that way rather than speaking up. Um, whereas our business, um, we have a lot of meetings, like even during COVID now, we've had daily meetings. So you're literally on the call a day to day talking about your stocks, talking about what's new, what's changed, what's happening in the in the markets. Um, so my advice, I guess, to, to a person that wants to enter into the asset management, firstly, you need to be very passionate about, um, firstly, companies, like tracking companies and also knowing how they're performing year on year. It, it's not about getting into the industry for money or getting into the industry just for having a, an asset management title, it's really being passionate. So a lot of the guys that I'm, I'm working with that have a lot of experience within the space, like 10 years, um, 12 years, they've you can see the passion as well. Like the minutes a new company comes out with something, they, they're trying to figure out how it will impact the strategy of the business going forward. Is it a good investment? So you always need to be thinking in investment terms. So if you're not passionate about investments, what businesses are doing how they can create value, how is it gonna translate into value for shareholders, then you're really not yeah. gonna do well. So you'll find a lot of people that come into the the industry and and like you you can have two exact people, the one who's got more knowledge and technical knowledge, like finance concepts, return on equity, whack, and they think yes, they can figure it out. And then you've got another person who's done engineering or who's even done, hasn't done a finance specific course, but the person who's very passionate about, the, I guess, businesses and tracking what's happening with the JSE with stock markets, they actually end up doing a lot better at the job yeah. than a person who's a lot more um, knowledgeable just in terms of,
0: I guess, technical aspects. I get that. I get that. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I also see that you're um, a lecturer, associate lecturer. Are you doing this while you're still an um, like uh, investment analyst? Um, or is this something that you used to do?
1: So I used to be an associate lecturer at Wits University, um, lecturing financial accounting. But now I'm, a, I'm titled like a part-time lecturer. So now I'm, okay. I'm lecturing for Vits Business School and I'm a part-time lecturer. So what that means is, is if there's a block, if there's an MBA course and there's a block, well, it's called a block release where the students come in just for like three days or four days of learning about a specific course, then I actually cover that, the, um, that course with them. Um, and I'm, I'm lecturing management and financial accounting for, um, the MBAs, and a course called PDBA, which is Postgraduate Diploma in Business Administration. So I do that also whilst doing my full-time job, um, but it's actually... <laughs> How? <laughs> I actually enjoy it. Um, the, you'll find that with a lot of investment firms or with a lot of accounting businesses, you you're surrounded by like accountants or people that have studied the exact same as you, like another chartered accountant. So I yes. think getting to, to do the MBA and PDBA, I get to interact and meet people that are doing very different courses, people that are in mining businesses, people that are industrial businesses. And then you get to have, I guess, the discussions within the within the lecture. So I actually um, really enjoy it. It's not like an extra job. I find it more of like a hobby. So I, I, I'm willing to also take, maybe like if we need one day of leave, let's say the course is running Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm willing to take the Friday off or it's ah, running Monday, and then I do it in okay. my own time.
0: Okay, okay. Because yeah. I was just trying to figure out, like, ha, ha, how does she do it? Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really impressive to see. Um, okay, and, and just, like, circling it back to you, I guess, um, who, um, I guess, inspires you? Um, do you look up to people, or is it just, like, you just get inspired just by life and, and, and the like? So, so I do look
1: up to people, and, and I think over the years I've been inspired by different people depending on which, where I am at my, in my career path um, and also where I am, I guess, mo- like just me emotionally. Um, mm. If I'm like, let's say, going through like spiritually, of course I'm inspired by very different people than on a career, a career of aspect. So just to highlight, I guess some of my inspirations. When I was at um, at high school, um, one of my head mistresses, um, the headmistress there, Miss um, um, she was brilliant. She did everything. She was involved in like photography. She was the netball coach. She was the maths teacher, and she was the deputy headmistress. And and she was always running around, very passionate about um, the high school. First person there, last person to always leave. I mean, I'm still in contact with her now and she was was, like telling me all the changes they're making due to COVID, making it happen at, at, at high school and still ensuring, I guess, all the learners get to learn. So she's been, I mean, one of my big inspirations, I think, when I think back and just doing your best in every area that you're involved in. And also yeah. just using your talents across the board. Just because you're a maths teacher doesn't mean she can't be the netball coach. And I mean she was coaching us netball, the under 18, so the highest level of like sort of netball coaching. Um, and then and then as I guess I moved on, um my my inspirations also became, I guess, business people that I saw within different businesses. So, like at, at KPMG and now at 361. Um, one of the founders, Cy Jacobs, very good at investments and how yeah. his, his story of like how he managed to start the business he initially was at Investec and now how he's doing so well and how when he interacts with a lot of the CEOs on the JSC, he's not nervous. He's very confident. He can question them on their business and he, he if there's anything of like, he if he picks up any issues of integrity fraud, he's very quick on the board and he's so... I mean, different people have inspired me along the way. Also, getting inspiration, I guess, from your your family. Um, my yeah. mom is very spiritual, so I, I get inspiration from her. My sister's also involved in a lot of the um, giving back um, with the foundation she's been involved in, and she's all about like giving back to communities. So I'm also involved. Um, get inspired by her in that way. But I think it's drawing inspiration from different people in your in your life as you progress along the journey and just I mean using the best aspects of people and trying to grow in different areas as you progress along life
0: yeah yeah no that's 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 100% agree I think your family is normally where it all starts from but you also get to meet people along your journey where you're just like oh my word like super impressive okay Two last questions. Um, this is a question I ask all our guests on the yes. show. If you had to consider what your superpower is, um, what do you think that would be? That's a
1: tough one. <laughs> my superpower.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yes, I think I think when I when I look back, I guess at my strengths and also look forward at like my dreaming and where I want to be. I think my superpower is realizing the full potential of something and then trying to make sure it gets there. So whether it's in a business, let's say I can see that, let's say um, even within 361 asset management, we're here and we can even get even better. We can even grow our assets under management to this level. And we can showcase our business in different ways. We can grow in transformation and try and get more tra- um, in our transformation efforts and show, I guess, the institutional investors that we're growing in that area. I'm going to do everything I can in my power, even if it's not my area that I've been allocated as my responsibility, to then help that business or that area that I, or that project that I'm doing reach its full potential. So. Sure. I think I think it's it's the the drive within me for everything to create value, and so even when I'm involved, I guess in lecturing, in lecturing, I can see when like students are coming in and they're learning, or students, I can see where they can get to in terms of their full potential. So for me, driving, I guess, making my le- lectures a lot more interactive, making making sure my the learners are, are going out with like proper outcomes. Is also one yeah. So I, I call my superpower is 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 seeing where something can get to, and then I'm going yeah. to do everything in my power, like in terms of my drive, my energy, my to make it sure it gets there.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, so in a nutshell, realizing potential. I think that's that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, and 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 to me, if people. Um, I'm like, geez, like this lady is amazing. Uh, maybe I want to get in touch with her or maybe I want her as a mentor or, or whatever. You know, you never know what people want. How do people get a hold of you? Okay. Um,
1: so I've got my email address. Um, my email is Buitumelo, B-O-I-T-U-M-E-L-O, dot l o a t e at Yahoo.com. So people can reach me there on email. But I'm also, I guess, on all the social platforms as well. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm not really much of a Twitter person, to be honest. I'm just there to, I guess, <laughs> like read up. I'm not really Stalk. much of a, a person who tweets. Same here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm also on Instagram and, and on Twitter. Um, the Insta and Twitter handle is Dumi instead of Buhi Tumelo. Dumi for short. Dumi
0: lowate underscore Loate. All right all right okay this this was actually so fascinating um i loved listening to your story and all the amazing work as a lecturer as an asset manager wow like there's a lot but thanks so much to me for joining us on the podcast and hope you enjoyed it yeah
1: no i definitely did you so you actually so good at like now at the end when you're like realizing potential that's what you mean i'm like oh my word she's brilliant (laughs) so (laughs) you're very you're very good at this eh?
0: <laughs> thanks to me okay guys thanks for listening cheers thank you cheers look at you you made it all the way to the end thanks so much for checking out the superpower podcast and listening to an incredible story of the amazing woman that we have in the country make sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts and like comment share on social media share with your friends share with your workers man let's let's spread the message let's spread the love um till next time cheers